This episode of Philly's Therapy is brought to you by Loop. Ask any ball player, and they'll say there's no better feeling than coming up with a big hit when it matters most. Download the number one sports card app and get those big hits for yourself. Join Loop and get access to live sports card streams all day, every day. Our community hits cards that are worth up to thousands of dollars every night. Get a piece of the action for yourself. Download Loop for free today at loop.cards. That's L-O-U-P-E dot cards. Loop, sports cards 24-7. Well, well, what have we here? A Philadelphia Phillies win on a Sunday afternoon against a really good baseball team that happened about as normally as most Phillies wins happen these days. The 4-3, 10-inning walk-off at home, thanks in part to Max Muncy's fielding and Roman Quinn's speed, caps off what was, on the whole, a kind of disappointing homestand for the Phillies. who went 2-4, and four, scored 12 total runs after just deluging the Dodgers last week out there in their yard and the topsy-turvy season continues so the Phils are 19 and 22 they are still third in the NL East they're hanging in there I guess sort of like we all are Um, but they're certainly not making it easy on us to watch and every time they do something like this it just makes you wonder if we'll ever see a week of Phillies baseball that just involves normal games, you know, just six or seven, maybe normal baseball games, win or lose. I mean, I'll even take a normal loss at this point. Uh, but to help me talk through this latest bit of weirdness and how this team simply can't seem to hit the ball hard enough at home for possibly conspiratorial reasons, I'm joined today by none other than Philly's Twitter legend, Baseballin, who is um, uh, shorthandedly referred to just as Ballin. She is a minor internet celebrity, can I say that? Uh, who curates, in, in my opinion, one of the finest collections of Philadelphia Phillies media out on the internet. It's just, it's a meme treasure trove. She's brilliantly funny, has a great sense of humor, really pays attention and, and catches funny little details that a lot of folks miss and really makes games fun to watch with this little social media companion feed she's got going on. Uh, Paul, and welcome to Philly's Therapy. Thanks for joining the couch. My God, Paul, thank you. That was one of the greatest intros I think I've ever had, ever. Ever, ever. Well, it's it's not often, honestly, that people just have a consistently interesting uh, thing to say about anything, really, on social media, right? We've all, myself included, flooded our feeds with irreverence and crap that only we care about or maybe one or two other people care about but you've seemed to have found this this particular angle of watching phillies baseball where you view it through this lens that's just funny and you have images that go along with it all the time how do you watch these games watch this team and turn that into an idea for a picture to go with a post or how does that process work does it just sort of come to you in a moment of inspiration and you're just like i got it and turn it around within a couple minutes and bam you've got (laughs) you got another winner of a of a a tweet yeah i mean like you just said right we have to talk through the weird of everything that happens with the phillies and honestly that's 
pretty much what the Twitter account came to be. It was just, you know, years ago, back in the glory, glory days of 2013, 2014, 2015, oh, you needed something to fill the void of the minimal excitement that was happening. So yeah, you just kind of start making jokes. I mean, isn't that basically kind of humor across Philadelphia sports is the self-deprecating humor, you know, about your teams, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which has clearly been uh, kind of tossed down to me from my parents and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what it is. And here's the thing is that I have like worst memory of all time. Like I can't tell you what I had for dinner last night or anything like that, but something happens in the Phillies game and I'm like, oh my God, I know I have a photo of Reese Hoskins with his jaw dropped somewhere. And it's just a matter of like going through this absolutely massive folder that I have of photos, finding it and then just getting it out there, you know? So what is it now? Is it just your your photos on your phone that you have organized some way? Is it like a like a Google Drive stash? Like, what do you? What's your catalog? <laughs> what are, what are the tools like here? There's definitely Google Photos because I love Google Photos because you can search different keywords and find things that way. Um, okay. I think it makes life easier, even with like family and friends photos, because it's really good at picking up faces and whatnot. Mm. Um, But I mean, there's so many other great people on Philly's Twitter too. And they put these memes out there that, you know, I'm immediately like, oh, I'm saving this to my phone. So then I also have a folder on my phone. That's just like what I saved from Twitter. And I mean, there's a ton of gems in there too. So it's like a mix, uh, both of technology, I guess, being able to to search for people, get a little bit of a hand that way. But also, you mentioned having the memory and knowing that there are certain things that stick out. When you have a team that has this many, called interesting things, and I think today is about to be thrown onto that pile. When you have a team that has this many interesting things happen, how do you find the best picture or the best gift to go with something? Or is it just a matter of, yeah, that'll do. And it's the first one that comes to mind. There's so many times where I'll pick one and then I'll tweet it and I'll be like, oh my God, there's a better one I could have picked, you know? So Mm -hmm. sometimes it is totally just a matter of kind of picking the first one that I see or that I think of. Um, But I mean, it's true. Like the Phillies have so many kind of memeable moments and whether it's Reese Hoskins, Eugene Segura, or like someone is, you know, kind of like the king of the facial expression that game. Um, it's pretty easy to just grab those screenshots and save them. And the favorite ones are definitely the ones that probably make uh, the Twitter feed the most, you know, they make the most uh, appearances on Twitter. Yeah. So who's who's your favorite running right now? Is there somebody who's clearly in the lead who usually gives you the best stuff to work with? I mean, Reese Hoskins has got to be up there, right? Even last year when he was out, when he was hurt with the, with what was it, the abdomen tear Mm. um, in the dugout, he was just prime content 24-7. It was great. Um, Gene Segura is always like throwing his tongue out there, which I love. I think it's it's pretty comical when he's out there running the bases doing that. Um, You know, not a whole lot from our pitchers, except for Alvarado, of course. There's no one who's probably more animated on the mound out of the Phillies than Jose Alvarado. I guess it begs the question a little bit because it's nice to have, it's nice to have interesting things happen on the field that cameras capture. You're able to turn it into something you can turn around and and post and it's it's funny. And I I do it too. I get a kick out of it. 
But I keep coming back to wondering in, in an objective sense, thinking just, you know, winning baseball games and, and trying to get back to the playoffs for the first time in 10 years. Is the way this team plays good? That's the question. Is it good? That's a big question. Um, Lately, it feels like no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And honestly, it's almost one of those things where when you kind of are getting the better content, it's almost at the times where the team is meshing better. You know, it seems like there's just a better rapport in the clubhouse and they're getting along more. And this year, I kind of feel like it's not fully there. Um, I don't know how other people would agree or disagree with that, but it just feels like there's not, um, I guess like a great, I don't know, camaraderie in the dugout or in the clubhouse, but also it could be just because this team goes on different winning streaks and losing streaks where it gets really tough for a few days or a week at a time. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, everyone's down on themselves and there's not really a whole lot of excitement in the clubhouse. Yeah, the the big example of that, I think, that comes to mind is is Brad Miller the last couple of years, right? With, you know, not just introducing the the hat, but things like the bamboo plant and little, you know, mythical stories to add to what you hope would be a cult hero story, but then the team doesn't make the playoffs and it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, that was neat. No, and it's so funny that you bring that up because while I was watching the game today, I was thinking like, oh, I got to talk to Paul about how it's May 22nd and we still don't have a version of the Phillies home run hat yet. Right? Okay. So I wasn't, it's, I'm not crazy. There's just something that isn't quite there. No, like there's, there's no celebration. Like where's the shopping cart or laundry bin in the dugout? Like the Red Sox do or something like, like, where is it? Or Toronto's suit jacket with the blazer. Like there are teams could absolutely rock that. There's, they need something. Oh, look, Milwaukee even took the obvious bit. Milwaukee, they ring a bell when they get back to the dugout. Like, hello? That's fraud. (laughs) I cannot believe the Phillies didn't take that from them. (laughs) It just totally yanked that one. No, I I watched a highlight of Andrew McCutcheon. I miss you, buddy. I watched a highlight (laughs) of Andrew McCutcheon McCutcheon hitting his home run yesterday and getting to the end of the dugout, doing a take to the camera and just ringing this little bell twice. And I'm like, my dude, why didn't we get you to do that when you were here? I, I think that's one of the big things that's keeping people from really latching onto this 2022 team so far right they there's there are a bunch of good players there are objectively good players we've we've touched on this topic a couple of times on the show but there are objectively good players on this team the team should be playing better than it is but something about it just feels off and do you think this is something that can maybe not be fully solved but it, at least would it help get the team on the right path if they do something that makes it seem like they're having a little more fun out there Absolutely. I think in general, if they start having a little more fun out there and, you know, they could just be too hard on themselves at the moment, which I mean, they should be hard on themselves. This is professional baseball and they really haven't been playing up to standards lately. But if they were having a little more fun out there, it would probably take a little bit of that pressure off of them. And can they overcome something like that, right? Is it necessary for them to look like they're having fun to actually be competitive? Or is that just something that we on the outside think, oh, they're missing that. They must need it in order to start gelling and playing better. 
I don't know if I don't know if they need it, but it is interesting when you look at other teams and you see them doing their certain type of celebration and it just seems like that they are also having a good time and all the players are getting along and it kind of just makes for a better environment in the clubhouse. Um, and like the Phillies just don't seem to have that it factor yet this year. One guy who was definitely having a good time out there, uh, even if he wasn't outwardly showing it, was Zach Eflin on the mound on Sunday. He had really one of the best starts of his career, struck out 12, went seven. He's having a good year. Um, ERA is respectable down into the lower threes now. Uh, he seems like he's healthy, not really walking a lot of guys, not giving up a ton of homers. Um, and he's still got his arbitration case pending for later in the summer. can't remember the exact date right now. And he's set to be a free agent after this year. You're in charge. Ballin, you're Dave Dombrowski. You hold the keys. You've got the reins. You are in charge of, of figuring out Zach Eflin's future with the Phillies. Is he on this team past this season? Yeah, I'm keeping Zach Eflin. Because hmm. um, when he's good, he's really reliable. And also, I will say, it doesn't have to do to the same extent of Brad Miller, and honestly, you guys may have talked about it on this podcast before, but whenever anyone in the clubhouse is asked about like who's you know the nicest guy, the most stand-up guy in the clubhouse, everyone says Zach Eflin. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. All right. So you think it's just not only from a reliability perspective in the rotation. And honestly, yeah, I agree with you. He's been, even if he's not quite an, an ace or something like that, or peak Aaron Nola, for the last few years, he's been pretty reliable mid-rotation guy when he's been healthy. So just on top of that, you layer in the personality and you feel like, oh, okay, if this team's got a personality deficit, we probably want to keep the good character guys too, yeah? Yeah, I would think as, you know, general manager, you would absolutely want to keep the good character guys around and keep that good environment going. Um, but like you said, you know, it's all about whether he's healthy or not. Um, but since he's come off of, what was it, the COVID IL, he's been looking really good. He really has. And I think that raises a, a bit of a larger question, too. With the way the team is currently built, they have all these hitters. They're in a bit of a, a bit of a quagmire with Bryce Harper not being able to play the outfield for the foreseeable future. And, you know, five designated hitters playing infield positions at, <laughs> at any given time. Um, is the beef model sustainable um we absolutely do not have sustainable beef at this moment in time <laughs> the the entire origin of the beef model was the fact that the phillies were supposed to hit like at least five home runs per night paul right every night yes yes every night it was going to be insane they replaced every single light in the bell it was going to be ringing off the hook you know they what did they change it to smash the bell instead of ring the bell like that was the point and now it's just kind of turned into who had the best game <laughs> yeah it, it's it's the entire point and i think there's a bit of a there's a bit of an emerging tinfoil hat conspiracy theory thing happening maybe conspiracy isn't the right word but the phillies have not really been hitting well at home now citizens bank park isn't quite the uh uh, bandbox that it used to be back in their their glory days when there were you know much better hitters on the team and there was you know an offensive error going on but the ball isn't traveling as far guys are remarking that 
something, some balls that they've hit that they thought were going out or dying on the warning track. You look at things like StatCast data, even, and then the measurements are saying the ball's traveling, you know, somewhere between five and 10 fewer feet when they square it up. It's all a little weird. And I'm wondering, like, is that real or is that a, a mind game that's manifesting in these red herring numbers and um, opinions and feelings on the way some of these balls who, um, you know, guys think they're going out and then they just die on the track. Is, is that real or is that about to pop once they they get on a bit of a roll and start hitting like we expect them to? I hope it's about to pop, but it's funny because I feel like the whole month of April, you know, it's like, oh, well, it's still cold. So give the Phillies a break type of thing. Um, but I was at the game this past Friday night versus the Dodgers. And let me tell mm-hmm. you, it was really hot outside. It was extremely humid mm-hmm. and it was boring. Mm. The Phillies were not hitting that baseball. Um, but, you know, you hope so, right? Like today, what, in Reese's first two at-bats, he had two pretty mm-hmm. hard hit balls. Um, and it just seems to be continuously going out at the warning track for a lot of these guys. Um, but you're right. It seems like there's a totally different case once they go on the road. I mean, unfortunately, I probably slept through most of those LA games last sure. week. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I I missed out on probably the most fun games of the Philly season thus far. Well, and that's the tricky thing with this team too, right? When the Sixers were going in the playoffs, even as the Flyers were winding down their regular season, it seemed like when there were things out there to distract viewers, other options, other things for them to watch, they were doing pretty well. This is completely anecdotal. I haven't actually gone through and looked at this. No, this is true. This is fact. Yeah, right. No, okay. There we go. Objective. (laughs) You, You go out to the West Coast and they go on this, you know, five and two tear on the road against a, a good young Seattle team that's up and coming. And then they take three out of four in Dodger Stadium and, and probably should have completed the four game sweep um, and immediately come home and score. What, yeah. 12 runs in six games when they dump 12 in one game against the Dodgers and far more than that for the rest of the series. Do they just get stage fright when all the attention's on them? Or are they just like, <laughs> just shriveling back into a corner a little bit. Like what is going on there and how do we get, we cure them of their stage fright? Well, first of all, they shouldn't because it's most definitely not a sold out game. It's Um, no, the numbers, what they, it looks like I'm looking at attendance numbers here. They crossed 30,000 for the last four games of the homestand. But uh, I saw a lot of Dodgers fans in those crowds this weekend. So that's, Oh yeah. Inflated. On the concourse on Friday night too, there were just Dodgers fans everywhere. I don't mm-hmm. know where they all live and how they have adapted to becoming LA Dodgers fans, but yeah, they certainly took advantage of it not being a sold out Phillies crowd at Citizens Bank Park this weekend. So this this stage fright thing, how can we cure them of it? How how do we get them to play you know good baseball when they're the main attraction when they're the main ticket? Does it go back to needing to have more fun? I mean, I'm not even really sure how you can convince a team to play better at home. Because even last year, right, Were wasn't it the complete opposite? Yes. So what changed between last year and this year where they are just suddenly kind of just 
not even really showing up at home, it feels like. You know, yeah. all these fans are buying tickets and coming out. And after a road trip like last week, you get yourself excited to go watch the Phillies because, you know, the Phils are back and we're, mm-hmm. you know, back in it. Playoffs are back. And then you go and you sit and watch that and you're like, oh, man, I can't come back for at least another month. Yeah, here are those numbers from last year. They were 47 and 34 at home. It was only a plus one run differential, but they were 13 games over 500 at home and 35 and 46 with a minus 12 run differential on the road. Yeah, complete opposite. At this point, I think, you know, maybe we just need to get Phillies fans to start traveling to away games and then they'll start having themselves a crowd out there that can cheer them on and maybe it'll just kind of follow them back home type of thing and they'll get used to having the fans everywhere type of thing like Mets fans fill to it's the saddest thing but Mets fans seem to fill up Citizens Bank Park right now they um, absolutely do yeah and kind of make it somewhat like a home game for themselves there's nothing worse than when you're watching on TV and you hear the let's go match chance at Citizens Bank Park you know Oh, it's grating for sure. And the Phillies fans were like that back in the late 2000s and early 2010s when the team was really good. Like there were there was a lot of traveling. They would turn, you know, Nationals games into uh, what, what would they call it? Citizens Bank Park South. Like there was a lot of that. There is the potential. They've got that capability. We know these fans, when they have a team that they feel they can latch on to, that isn't going to, you know, ping pong them around on any given night with some kind of weirdness that they'll travel for them and they'll show up and show out. And the last couple of years, even with a talent like Harper and even with uh, the seasons that Nolan Wheeler have put up recently, like there just hasn't been that, that compelling draw, you know, for, forget the road games right now to really even get the, the old heyday 40,000 uh, uh, home game crowds to come out. How long is it going to take before something like that comes back? Do they need to just go on a, a tear and the only way they draw people in is with a really nice just slate of winning, get people interested, be a few games over 500 for a change, maybe get back into the division? Or do they just need to find a different personnel configuration, to put it lightly? Oh, so definitely a little bit of both, mm-hmm. I think. They 100% need to start playing better baseball, get, you know, a few games over 500, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, also in Philadelphia, I kind of think it's pretty imperative that, like you said, the distractions that the other teams around you kind of are playing at a lower level. Um, because whichever team is kind of the most exciting in Philadelphia at the moment, it seems, is the one that everyone's going to kind of put their attention to, you know, if the Sixers and Phillies are on at the same time in the middle of May or April and it's NBA playoffs, no one's watching the Phillies game. You know, they have months of Phillies baseball to keep up with that. Um, And then, you know, of course, once the Eagles come back, Phillies Sunday games are pretty much toast unless the Phillies kind of step it up and get themselves into a, playoff contention, which I'd be super curious to see, honestly, if the Phillies are really vying for a playoff spot in September, how would that ballpark look when there's also a game across the street? It's a great question. And and I love thinking about that because it's a little more plausible now with the expanded playoffs, right? And that it'll make it that much more irritating if they, they miss the playoffs again this year, but with the expanded field, 
there's a really great chance that this team, it's built to win. It should be in the mix come September. If they're really making a push and they're a reasonable number of games back or hopefully ahead in the division or for any playoff spot, I'll take anything. I'll I'll take any <laughs> playoff spot. But if they're Me in too. The- what, what does that feel like? I kind of forget what that feels like because these last 10 years have just been so strange and and uh, detached from the peak years that we had, you know, from that 06, 07 through 2011 range. Like, can you visualize it? Are you able to do that? It's getting further and further away, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, I remember actually... Um, I went to a Springsteen concert at Citizens Bank Park in, my God, it must have been 2016. And I remember walking the concourse and thinking, I can't even remember the last time you could barely walk through the concourse at a Phillies game because it was just so crowded. Mm. And like, it's... It's just not sold, you know, opening day, of course, kind of like that. But you haven't seen Citizens Bank Park that packed for, you know, and with that much excitement aside from opening day in so long. But it would be the most exciting thing for you, for me, for, you know, every huge Phillies fan out there to actually see them competing in something like that again. Um, And I hope it happens. I mean, Listen, after we went over the tax this year, I was like, I am not taking a single vacation in October. I am busy (laughs) if (laughs) saving my PTO days, if I need to be down in Philadelphia to watch the games. But um, I'm not feeling as confident about that at the moment. (laughs) Yeah, well, nobody would blame you for that. But there is there is one tried and true way to get back into a division race, and that is, drumroll please, a seven game divisional road trip, which what do you know? The Phillies are about to embark on with their first trip to Atlanta of the year. First games against the Braves, period, for four. And then three against the Mets. So next week is uh, it's a pretty big week. Um, is this, I said this last week when I was talking to Rob, is this now the make or break stretch for the <laughs> Phillies as they try to get back into this division? I mean, with seven against the division, you would think so, right? Mm-hmm. They they have to keep themselves in it at this point. And um, I don't know. I mean, I think there could be some good competition in the Braves games this week. I'm kind of excited for those also because you've mentioned, you know, we haven't seen the Braves. As for the Mets, I'm just completely sick of them. And <laughs> what is it? After I was looking at the calendar maybe a few weeks ago and mm-hmm. I th- is it after this series we don't see the Mets again until August? I think it's until August. Yeah, we played 13 of the 18 or 19 games by the end of next week. I absolutely cannot wait for that. June and July are just going to be so wonderful without having to play the Mets. Um, because I, it's almost, it feels like it's getting in the Phillies head at this point too because some of our absolute worst losses have been at the feet of the Mets this year. So... Yeah, and it's it's especially disappointing because I remember when the Jacob deGrom news came out in spring training that he was going to miss, you know, significant time and looking at the schedule. And by the way things are going, he's not going to be back by next weekend, of course, and the Phillies are going to miss him again. So they'll have played 80% of their scheduled games against one another, not having faced Jacob deGrom once. Max Scherzer is also now on the shelf, so they won't see him. And they have a chance of just being, I think it's like, six games lost in in those competitions just like being 
beaten straight up by the team they are supposed to be better than. The Mets are good this year. The Phillies were supposed to be good this year. Right now, it has not played out that way. And you only get so many chances to really control your own destiny this way, right? Because when it gets later in the season now, with fewer games against the Mets coming up, you presume the Mets are going to be in the mix for the division all year now. The Phillies aren't going to have these main, the, all these opportunities to play one-on-one against the Mets to pick up a full game in a day, guaranteed, if they win, and now have to leave it to other teams to help control their destiny. Is this self-inflicted, the fact that they're, you know, seven, eight games back in the division? Or is it simply a matter of, you know, getting off to a, a reasonably slow start and the Mets just being legitimately good? Um, I mean, the Phillies definitely got off to a slow start, but I think you could say that some of the losses we had against them were absolutely self-inflicted. Mm. You know, the Phillies can't really hide behind the slow start factor when some of those losses were just in the worst ways possible. And whether it was something that a player had done or whether it was an error that Joe Girardi made in his managing, um, I think it's not fully correct to say that they were just off to a slow start. But then also kind of what we were talking about earlier with teams just having fun, Mm -hmm. the Mets kind of have that it factor right now. You know, they might not have like a little prop in the dugout that uh, they celebrate with, which I could be wrong. I don't believe they do. Um, But they are just meshing really well and they're finding ways to win games that they probably shouldn't be. Um, But that's kind of what makes for a super exciting team. And they're just... I don't know, they just seem to be kind of firing at all cylinders right now, which makes it even harder for the Phillies, I would think, when they see what that team is doing and knowing that they're kind of doing the opposite and losing games that they should win and then having to face that. It does make things a bit of an uphill climb, for sure. If there's anything positive to be taken from this homestand that they're leaving, even though um, they went 2-4 and on it against these ALS teams, is that it ended, albeit weirdly, on a high note, perhaps there's a little bit of momentum there that they could take into this. It is there enough now to really think, okay, this game against the Dodgers on Sunday was probably not a game that they should have won given how things ended. You know, regular grounder to second base, it gets booted. Roman Quinn absolutely flying around, you know, second and third base, scores on a on in infield ground ball, which was incredible. It's nice to see him moving so well after a huge leg injury. Um, is this win, looking to your crystal ball, Colin, is this win something that kickstarts this team into a winning road trip against the Braves and the Mets this week? If I could will that into existence for the Phillies, I absolutely would. There's nothing I want more than for them to take a win and turn it into, you know, the big momentum pusher that gets them, you know, kind of back in the game, back in the playoff race, back in the divisional race. I feel um, a butt coming. But yeah. you, you, you looked into your crystal ball and saw that butt coming for sure, Paul. Yeah, um, I think there's been a few games this year that should have been that way and then didn't end up being kind of the factor that, kicked them into a winning streak Hmm. so i'm hesitant i guess is all i could say i'm slightly hesitant well i i think we all are if i'm being real 
like this team has, I think the record, you know, is, is plain enough. It, it speaks for itself, 19 and 22. There's a lot that's gone into that 19 and 22 that makes you gun shy about thinking there's any sort of winning streak coming up. But it, it's more than that. I think it's just baked into us now, not just from this season, but the past few seasons where you're really hesitant to buy into this team. Because every time it looks like they're about to start something good and start to get on a bit of a roll, for whatever reason, things just hit a wall and go away. I think, what, what was it? Last year, last August, I think they rolled off seven or eight straight wins. And I think that was the first time they had won, was it five or six games or more in a row in 10 years? Eight to 10 years? I'm, I'm fudging the numbers and they're hazy a little bit, but it really just speaks to what it's been like trying to watch this team for the last few years. Even as they've started getting good, late in 2016 and then in, in 2017 in the middle and, you know, the more competitive years more recently, there's just never been that streak of overpowering winning baseball, at least not without some caveats and some weird fluky stuff that's had to help them along their way. Is that what it's going to take to get us back on the bandwagon of being like, yeah, okay, I've really got a good feeling coming up. I think they're going to do this. I think they're in a great position. I think they're going to really sock it to them. Is that, is that what we're missing here? We just need them to find a way to fall backward into five, six, seven wins in a row? Possibly. I mean, I think that would definitely help people get a little bit more on board. Um, but, you know, even when the team's playing well and there's just something happening in the game that kind of feels like that's so Phillies, you'll go on Twitter and you'll just see everyone saying like, oh, here it comes. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's just constantly bracing for it. I don't even know if five to seven wins would really get fans out of that yet. But wow. to your point as well, I think five to seven wins against our division would be really huge and something to get excited about. Absolutely. And let's let's keep that excitement train rolling for just a second here. Look into that crystal ball again. Hope, hope it's polished. Look into that crystal ball again one more time. A little further out into the future, beyond this divisional road trip coming up. Think maybe through June, closer up to the, the All-Star break. Is this team, this Philadelphia Phillies team, still in contention later in the summer as June winds down, July picks up? Or are they out of it and potentially looking at departures? I'm saying yes. I'm saying that they're still in it just because I got my hopes way too high this year for the team to be out of it before the all-star break, you know? Yep. yep. I can't um, I can't do a second half season of the Phillies again where they just aren't even fighting for anything. I think that's a good point too. There are more expectations this season than even the last couple in the Harper era because they made so many interesting moves and really went for a certain strategy. And it really seemed like there was a plan there. Um, even, even as tilted as that plan was, we all knew going in that that defense is going to be a bit of an issue. Depth and pitching were maybe a little thin, but it seemed like there was a plan and it was an exciting plan. This is a team that hadn't really, you know, had a lot of wow factor over the last couple of seasons. They'd just sort of been throwing things together and hoping it worked. And that's kind of still what they're doing, but it at least seemed like there was more of a chance it would actually work. And we would see a bunch of, you know, eight to six and and 10 to five games where there's just a lot of offense. Now, 
that hasn't happened for a number of reasons. But I think the point you bring up about expectation is key here because while some things have changed from spring training and the start of the season, the overall concept is still in place here. This is still a team built to hit. It has streaky hitters, sure, but when those streaky hitters get hot, they can carry a lineup, and now there's multiple of them within the same lineup. It's still relatively early in the season. We're only a quarter of the way through it's too early to ditch those expectations, to ditch those hopes and think, even if this road trip coming up doesn't go in their favor, maybe they, you know, go three and four, God, God forbid, two and five. That would not be ideal, but it's still too early to really just be like, nah, pull the plug. But yet it feels like this team on any given night with any given loss, especially if it happens in a weird way, that they just risk losing a whole bunch more people and their interests, and it would just keep waning. Are we at risk, you know, earlier and earlier into the summer here of just more than, you know, actively being a, a hated team or a disliked team, people just not caring? You mean like Philadelphia Flyers level within the city? You know, that's, I didn't want to quite go there explicitly, but man, it sure feels like there's a comparison there, right? I think that if any Flyers fans were to hear that, they would probably get a little defensive just because their team seems to have definitely had a few lower lows. So hopefully we don't get to Philadelphia Flyers level um, of the city caring about the sports team. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There's 100% a chance that it's not even people just being disappointed by bad losses, right? Because even if there is a bad loss, at least people are feeling some type of way about it and they're getting disappointed about it. Um, It sucks, but at least people still care. But yeah, midsummer when other things are happening and the Phillies have kind of shown you, God forbid, no reason to keep up with the team, um, people are absolutely going to stop paying attention and not care anymore. All right. Well, we can't end on that note. So I'll, I'll pivot Mm-mm. back to something. I'll pivot back to something a little bit brighter um, and focus on our potential new cult hero in Garrett Stubbs, backup catcher extraordinaire. Had a really nice game again today on Sunday. He's seen a little bit more playing time recently after almost being forgotten with JT playing every single day for what seemed like a month and a half at a time. Uh, he's having himself a nice little season in his limited time so far. Um on a scale of one to Greg Dobbs, what is Garrett Stubbs' future cult hero level with this city and this team? I think Garrett Stubbs is kind of getting up there. People are a big fan. Also, it doesn't help that JT Romuto has not been up to standard lately because mm. people are definitely just becoming more and more uh diehard fans of Garrett Stubbs but Mm -hmm. you know we've been we've been on the podcast for a little bit since the game ended but I'm looking at my phone now and Garrett Stubbs did just win beefy boy of the day so that's a pretty big deal all right we love to see it yeah Yeah, 40 percent of the vote he's really like and this is nice because any team that really has if it has a chance of finding its way into the hearts of these fans it needs to have somebody playing this Garrett Stubbs role. It needs to have somebody who you don't expect to do some heavy lifting to come in out of nowhere and just be like, hello, win you a couple of games out of nowhere, make a couple nice plays, 
find a way to endear himself to the fan base without any of us really having seen it coming. And right now, Garrett Stubbs is the guy doing that. You would hope a couple more got in like for a while. I guess Johan Camargo, he got off to a nice start and was sort of doing that, but was doing it in a kind of plain way. I think the fact that Garrett Stubbs is this short of stature, scrappy, slap hitting, bunting backup catcher, his whole profile just seems to like lend itself more toward being that kind of prototypical cult hero guy. And the fact that he's playing well, I think, now means that he's doing more than just being, you know, last year's Ronald Torres when Torres came in and played a bunch of infield positions and was fine until he started tiring out later in the year. Garrett Stubbs, it's also a, a small sample or whatever, but he's he's playing well, he's playing really well. And that's the kind of thing that we remember, right? We That's why Greg Dobbs was on that scale. We remember guys who come out of nowhere to become really integral, important parts of a team. And backup catcher, especially if JT continues to wear down like he has, that might be the most important one of all. Absolutely. I think um, that was the word I was going to use was scrappy for Garrett Stubbs. Philadelphia, mm -hmm. I feel like, just loves a scrappy ball player who like you said, didn't see coming, you know, he's not part of like the big five that were photographed for the Phillies yearbook or anything mm -hmm. like that. He just kind of crept up on us. You know, it, it was probably a few months ago and some people were like, who even is this guy? Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of what makes it more fun. You, you didn't see it coming and he's producing the way he is and it's hard to not cheer for him. We love to see it. All right, well, that's a good way to end on a high note, much like the Phillies did with their homestand today, salvaging a second win of the six-game homestand over the Dodgers in extra innings in thrilling fashion right before they embark on this really pivotal, really key divisional road trip. Once again, my thanks go out to Miss Ballin, the um, Phillies meme library curator on Twitter. You can find her. Uh, her Twitter handle is uh, at InTheFanatic. There's two T's in Fanatic. Uh, Ballin, thank you so much for coming on. This was really a bunch of fun. Thank you, Paul. I had a blast. I definitely needed this uh, trip to Philly's therapy after this past week. I was looking forward to it, and it was just, just a great time. Beautiful. Thanks so much. <laughs>